0: Uh, Brother Lindale Greer gave me this topic uh, several months ago that uh, he wanted me to speak on about happiness It was a conference about happiness and where happiness is found and where happiness is not found And I think it's an appropriate uh, lesson that we pull out this time of year Especially this time of year to think about happiness not being in the riches of this world and in worldliness uh, That people get involved in you know this is Sunday Uh, a couple days ago was Black Friday and, you know, you had uh, those pictures and scenes of those people pressing against the store doors trying to get in, waiting for that opportunity. And why were they doing that? Were they pressing those doors in to go and receive Jesus Christ, to call upon his name, to be washed in his blood? Were they, is that what they were after that day? They were after Jesus, right? They were going to go and press in for, the, for Jesus because there was something great on the other side of that door. And they were going to go get them some of that, right? That's not at all what they were doing. They were going to go get stuff. Temporary, fallible stuff. Stuff that they thought that in about a month they could get a, a deal on and that they would give to their family members and that would bring them happiness. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm, uh, I've been an auctioneer uh, for 12 years now. And uh, I enjoy what I do. And when I started in that business, you know, we, we did a lot of estate sales. We sold a lot of pots and pans, and, and uh, I carried a lot of boxes of stuff out of houses uh, to go and spread out on the front yard and, and to sell at auction to the highest bidder so we could exchange this person's stuff and that it would become this person's stuff. You know, that's kind of what we did. And I'm going to tell you what, P. Uh, have seen a lot of people in, li- in my line of work to get wrapped up in stuff. And I've I've seen a lot of awful things in that business. But I want to tell you this morning, I want to make clear a couple things first this morning. I want two misconceptions. That the first one is that all people with wealth are not worldly people. Just because you look at somebody and they seem to have a big bank account, they have a job and they make a lot of money, that doesn't mean that they're worldly people. I want to tell you this morning that I know people in the church that make a great living that are far from worldly today. People that make six figures, maybe seven figures, in the church, church members today, and they're not worldly people. They are working to give. They're finding opportunities. They are searching for opportunities to give and give back and try to be a uh, uh, take those funds and make them something that's a contribution to the kingdom and not a hindrance to the kingdom. I want to tell you something else. This means that all people who lack wealth today are not holy. Just because you broke don't mean you better than anybody else, okay? Well, I know he ain't talking to me this morning. I ain't got no money. There ain't no way I can be worldly this morning. That ain't the case. I see people on a weekly basis. They spend most of what they have to get more stuff, and at the end of the day, they don't have any money, but I got a lot of trinkets sitting around the house. Just because you don't have money, just because you're not a person today of means doesn't mean you're not, doesn't mean you're holy this morning. John Piper said it well, I am wired by nature to love the same toys that the world loves. I start to fit in, I start to love what others love, I start to call earth home. Before you know it, I'm calling luxuries, needs, and using my money just the way unbelievers do. I begin to forget the war. I don't think much about people perishing. Missions and unreached people drop out of my mind. I stop dreaming about the triumphs of grace. I sink into a secular mindset that looks first to what man can do, not what God can do. It's a terrible sickness. And I thank God for those who have forced me again and again toward a wartime mindset you know and that's I think that's all of us I think we look at the stuff around and we live in a country there's a lot of stuff and a lot of opportunity to have stuff and I use that word stuff and we get in just enthralled with that stuff we we make it our idol we make it our God we think how can I get that how can I receive that how can I put that into my possession and if we did a, a time study of our week and what we thought about what we put our mind into how much time are we putting into our lives of thinking about holy things and godly things and advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ and how much time are we thinking about all these worldly things our next triumph our next purchase because I tell you what it's a terrible paradigm we live in we have this temporal stuff this money these things that are going away and we have this gospel, this precious gospel. And I liken this gospel to the barrel of meal. Uh, I believe about 1 Kings uh, chapter 17, the, the widow's barrel of meal that, uh, that never emptied. And that's our gospel. We have this gospel that we have full supply of. We don't have to worry about running out. We don't have to worry about going and getting more. We, we have this gospel that we ought to be sending out at every opportunity And the problem is we're not running out of the gospel, but we are running out of time Time is not on our side today So you and I have to have an attitude of thanks and an attitude of what we're going to really do Mark chapter 4 verse 18 the Bible says and these are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches And the lust of other things entering in choke the word and become unfruitful. Now you know this story. You know this story. This is talking about the parable of the sower and how he's sowing on different grounds. And the result of what happens when he he sows on those different grounds. And we think in that story, you just probably did like I do most of the time. We look at that story and we say, I'm the sower. And I'm the one sowing that seed And it's going on stony ground It's going on thorny ground It's going on good ground I'm the sower But I'll tell you what brethren We're also the ground here We are the ground It is us the gospel has been sown to And it is us that gets wrapped up in these things The cares of the world The deceitfulness of riches And the lust thereof Don't put yourself as the sower this morning Put yourself as the ground this morning What are we letting come up in our life? What are the fruits of our life? Talk about the cares of the world this morning. Worldliness is defined as the concern with material values or ordinary life rather than a a spiritual existence. When I think about, about all the stuff that I can see, those things that perish and I forget about those things that are holy, the things that matter, the things that last. We think about physical possessions, how much stuff we can have. You know, the old phrase that he who dies with the most toys wins. Are oh, we living that kind of mindset? About physical pleasure, how much fun I can have, how many vacations I can have. I had a customer tell me the other day, he said, My son, he wants to go to the Keys and he wants to go hang out on the beach and sit around and, and relax. He said, Man, when I go on vacation, I want to do something ignorant. He said, I, and This guy's 60 years old. He said, I want to go and have a good time. I'll tell you what, there's plenty of people that just want to go out and have a good time. People want to have personal accomplishments. People want to look back and say, this is what I've done. This is what I've accomplished. I went to auction school with an old boy. He was from East Tennessee, and they going around the room. Why are you here in auction school? He said, well, I want another piece of paper on the wall. He said, I'm a real estate agent. I've, I've done this, I've done that. I just want some more wallpaper maybe we fight and clamor after those things that we can say look look what I've done this is another trophy on my on my bookcase and we want a higher social ranking we want people to look at us and say oh look at them oh aren't they great and you know what we we all fight this battle none of us are exempt we all fight this battle that we're trying to get more stuff we're trying to have more fun we're trying to have more accomplishments and we're trying to have notoriety we all fight this in some way the Bible says in first John chapter 2 though in verse 15 love not the world love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man loved the world the love of the Father is not in him I'll tell you what we, we live around people I know we're, we're the church we're supposed to be the light set up on the hill but we live amongst a bunch of neighbors that, that they're clamoring for this stuff and it's easy that we fall into that trap Well if he's going to go for it Well maybe I should go for it too Because that seems to be the popular position Don't fall in love with this world Fall in love with stuff that lasts Fall in, fall in love with stuff that, that can't be taken away Don't love this world This world, you know one day this world's going to burn It's going to be gone don't put too much pleasure in, a, in building a big, fancy, nice house because you know what? Something could happen to that big, fancy, nice house and it'll be gone. James 4 and 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. I'll tell you what, I'm not real smart. But I know this, I sure want God on my side or I want to be on his side. I don't want to be found in that situation where God looks at me and he has vengeance and anger. That's not where I want to stand, do you? And when I fall in love with the world and I start doing the love's things, I become God's enemy. God's enemy. God hates that. I'm not real... No nobody special, but I'll tell you what, when I when whoever you want to put in front of God and say a verses versus you know, over here, uh, the creator of the world, the creator of mankind, the giver of salvation, the judge at the end of the day, is that who you want to battle against? Is that who you want to find yourself in, in the crosshairs of? I don't think so. That's not where we ought to stand. That's not where we can be. It's not where we can win. And there's no good that comes from that path and direction. There's no blessing here, and there's sure no blessing later. In Matthew chapter uh, 24, the Bible says in verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the Son of Man be. Uh, the, the coming of the Son of Man be. That's the world we live in today, right? Eat, drink, and be merry. Have a good time. We live in a world like no other time, I guess, in history, where people are just uh, sinning, uh, you know, giving themselves into sin, and they want you to know about it, you know. There was a time in in history where people, they wanted to hide their sin. You know, sin happened in the dark. That's why mama said don't stay after, you know, out past midnight because nothing holy happens after midnight. Right? But not these days. Oh, no, no, no. People want you to see their sin. People want you to accept their sin. They want it in the wide open. Just like in the days of Noah. They were having a good time. They were letting it all hang out. And then one day, what happened? Sin was destroyed. It's the same picture that we're living in today. People are are letting it all hang out. And one day, sin's going to be destroyed. And it's going to come upon them like that rain started to pour down. And in just moments, it's all going to be gone. Party's going to be over. How much fun is sin? Is our fun with sin... Worth that kind of punishment and destruction? Is it really that good? Does that kind of pleasure last? Luke 21 and uh, 34 says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and, dark- and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that the day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things which shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I'll tell you what, you know, I've told you my story before. There was a time in my life where I had an alcohol problem. I drank a lot. I drank every day. And I thought that was what I needed to do. And I'm going to tell you what the, the reality of that is, is that pleasure doesn't last, okay? That's why people that drink, they drink every day because they try to get that buzz back and make that pleasure last. But I'll tell you what, that, uh, that brings a cloud over your mind. And when you enter into sin and you allow that to control you, your mind is clouded and you're not seeing the light. You're not seeing the things that are holy. You're overtaken. They come upon you unawares. And it's a snare and all sin is a snare. He says, but watch ye therefore and pray. Because there is coming a time where there will be an accounting. That you'll be accounted worthy to escape these things that come to pass. When I look at my life, I have to take inventory of my life. Who am I serving? Who's number one in my life? A lot of people would say, well, that's my family. I'm just doing this stuff for my family. You know, why, why do we work 18 hours a day? Why do we put in 80 hour weeks because of my family? I'm just trying to support my family and that's a noble cause, isn't it? We'd all say that taking care of our family was something important. But how are we taking care of our family? Are we trying to make sure their physical needs are met, their food and clothing? Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, I know a, a whole slew of people and even us at times, we spend our time worrying about things that don't even really matter what if my kids don't go on that vacation they'll live they'll be okay you know what if my kid isn't the star basketball player or football player they'll live they'll be okay but I look at my life and you should look at your life and say you know what am I doing for my child's soul isn't that how we really take care of our children more than anything in this world more than sports or, or money or vacations or earth, earthly pleasure all I want for my kids is that they go to heaven that's all I want if they die dirt poor paupers as long as they go to heaven 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 Thou there endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ no man that warth Entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier Are we really fighting a battle? Are we in a war? You know you think about the the mindset of those that were in Vietnam fighting that war and they endured this kind of Battle that they'd never seen before called guerrilla warfare Where they had people that were hiding out in trees, and and can you imagine being a soldier at that time, walking through those jungles and and hearing a twig snap? And they were on guard and they were alert because they knew that danger was possibly around the corner, right, brethren? That's the fight we're in today. We're not fighting the Revolutionary War where two two sides line up and they just kind of shoot each other, shoot at each other. We're in guerrilla warfare. Satan is, is hiding and he's he's waiting for us. He's waiting for the moment to come about us. You know, and those soldiers to get out of that jungle alive, they had to be very aware of their surroundings. And I'm gonna tell you what: if we're gonna win this spiritual battle, he says that no man warreth entangling himself with the affairs of this life. He doesn't get clogged down in all that other stuff that's going on, but he focuses on the battle, on the mission at hand, knowing that danger is real. A man loses his life in Vietnam, he loses his life. But if we lose the, the battle, if we lose the war when it comes to spiritual things, we've lost our soul. This is much deeper. This is much more serious of a fight. And we can't get bogged down in the affairs of this life. I can't be worried about the next vacation when I'm worried about my child's soul. I can't be be, be worried about my kids' batting average when I'm worried about their eternal life with God. I can't get bogged down in this other stuff. And it's very hard because we are surrounded. We are in America, the land of plenty. And there's plenty of stuff here to get wrapped up in. And it is a fight. It's a fight every day. People lose their minds over this stuff in this world. And they want more stuff than you. And they'll fight you for it. But I want to be a good soldier. I've been chosen to be a soldier. I've answered that call. When I became a Christian, I volunteered. I enlisted in the army of God at that moment. Nobody was going to come up to me and say okay now you've got to do this. No, I volunteered for the fight This is my battle. This is your battle. If you've come here wanting salvation, you've got to give something up You've got to come into service Because it ain't free And we've got a fight on our hands Romans 12 2 verses 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God that is your reasonable Service that's your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God The things that he's asked us to do they're not grievous They're not undoable They're reasonable The things we're asked to do are things within our control Even a dummy like me can preach the gospel. You don't have to have the PhD. You don't have to be eloquent. God's used plain old simple folks throughout the Bible to do his will. You can do this. You've been given talents. Everybody's got a talent. Maybe you have more talents. Maybe you have fewer talents. But at the end of the day, you have talents. Use them. Don't waste them. Don't bury them in the ground. Use them. Because this is your opportunity. This is your shot. This is eternal life we're talking about. We're not talking about winning a contest at the end of the day we we didn't win. Oh, we won. This is eternal life. This is going to affect the situations of your families for years and years and possibly generations to come. This is the real deal. Let's not waste it. Let's not put it away and we look back at our life. We said, you know what? We chased all these frills. We've got, we got cabinets of humble figurines. And we've got uh, boxes of old fishing lures that we've collected over the years. And look at all these pictures of these vacations we've taken. And look at that 10-point deer that I've got on the wall and, and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, we've just wasted not only our life but our soul." And the soul of our children, if they follow suit for the example that we've left for them, it's wasted. I won't say there's real deceitfulness in these riches. They, they look and they shine. We say, ah, oh, I want to have that. Oh, I want to have that shiny car. Oh, I want to have that big house. I want them good old hardwood floors in that house. I want a big old fireplace in it. Man, I want, I want clothes. Boy, I want to look good. I want them shoes to shine. Well, that's foolishness. We don't really talk like that, but we think that way. Make America great again. Notice the spelling, G-R-A-T-E. There was an article that came out that says there's 1.5, uh, 1.4 billion pounds of surplus cheese in the United States. I love cheese. And I bet you love cheese, too. And if you like cheese like me do, like I do, there is a chemical uh, in the brain. It will affect you like heroin affects you. Cheese will affect you. You will become addicted to cheese. Stop eating cheese. Try it. You'll think you're dying. This is just cheese, guys. We got lots of it. We got plenty of it. How many more things that we have plenty of? This is something like I've been talking about now, you'd probably look at this guy and you'd say this guy's a hoarder, okay? But I'll tell you what I've done it too many times when I take all your stuff When I come and do your auction And I lay it out there in the front yard, you'll be amazed how much stuff you have It's in closets It's under the bed It's in the attic it's hidden behind stuff. You've got drawers and cabinets full of stuff that you've collected that you thought you had to have. That you thought that you wanted on your dresser for 50 years so you could pass by and look at it every day and that it would bring you happiness and satisfaction. You worldly people. And I'll tell you what, I've been in houses before that there were little pig pads to walk in. That there was a collection of carnival glass over here. And there was a collection of Coca-Cola merchandise over here. And on and on, you just barely could walk through the house. I had a a privilege of, I guess a privilege, of one of my apprentices did a a big estate down close to where we live. This guy, he was like 52. He passed away. He was uh, he inherited money from the Bonnaroo farm if you've ever heard of Bonnaroo They sold that thing for way more than it was worth. He got the money. He didn't have any family He didn't have a wife. He didn't have children. He was kind of a hermit He was a state trooper and every day after work this guy would go out and buy stuff and bring home And he had a big house And he had so much stuff that eventually he had to put it on the side of his driveway and cover it over with tarps He had storage buildings that were full of stuff I walked into his house you couldn't walk and I'm talking about nice stuff I'm not talking about junk I'm talking about really nice antiques and you walk through this house and there's rooms that I'm too big I can't fit in because I can't do this number enough but I go to his bathroom got a big old bathroom and the guy they said he read books every day read a book a day and he had these all these books you walked in his bathroom friends And he had this big oh, I don't know, 10 or 12 foot ceiling bathroom. And he had books in his bathroom piled to the ceiling. They said this man, if you ever got to talk to him, that he would want to talk to you about religion. He'd want to tell you about Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't know the man. I don't want to make too many judgments about the man. But I'm going to tell you what, that looks like a man whose riches were on the earth. Whose treasures were right here on the earth. It took eight sales to sell all his stuff. He piled it up. And why? This guy's gone. He's never going to enjoy this stuff. He's, I've got some of his stuff now that I will enjoy. Some of it I haven't even picked up yet. I've got to go get. That was a year ago when I bought that stuff. That's how we are. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 16, verse 26, For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, we're in this fight, we're in this war, where we're, we're warring against this flesh that we're in, and this flesh has certain uh, desires and, 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 and wants from it, right? Let me ask you something. You've got this one soul and it's the only one you'll ever have, and this thing is eternal, and it's going to live on forever somewhere. You've got this one soul. Now, in the auction business, we're in the asset management business, we're in the risk management business. So, you've got this one soul, and you've got to protect it and take care of it because it's the only one you're going to ever have. What would you give for it? How many vacations would you give for it? That you would give it up for how many vacations? How much stuff is it worth? How much stuff would you be willing to give up in exchange for this soul, this one precious soul that you have? How good are your kids at sports? How good could you get them to be if you could give up this one soul and then give up theirs as well? How much stuff? What's the number? Everything has value. Everything has value. What do you? What would you be willing to give up for your soul? How much do you need what'd you take for it today you know that's a real question that we we battle every day what am I going to give up for my soul today what's it going to take in return for some it's not that much for some people they they don't give up very much at all and they give that soul up in exchange for very few goods or very few niceties in First Timothy chapter six, the Bible says, "But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therefore with be content. But they that which be that will be rich fall into temptation, snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in, per, in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That love of money." not money itself money is in itself uh, inherently not evil i hope you all have a lot of money because we've got some collection plates here in a minute we're going to try to fill them things up right because that is going to go and do good you know that's going to go serve the kingdom that's not buying you another picture to hang on the wall or 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 buying you another movie ticket after a while that's not going to serve anybody else that's going to serve the gospel How content are you today when you look at your life and your surroundings and you think about tomorrow's Monday morning and I'm going to go back to the grind and I'm going to go back to work and I'm going to make some money this week. You know, what's your drive? Are we driving? You know what? I'm really, I'm really thinking about upgrading cars. Boy, I need to really make a A big lick so I can upgrade cars or 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 what if I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know at Christmas time's coming boy we're gonna have a big Christmas is that what we're gonna work for this week so we can have a big Christmas so we can exchange a bunch of this junk and, and put smiles on somebody's face is that what we're doing are we going to work this week saying you know what there's a lot of lost people out there and sometimes it takes resources to get them folks to Christ You know, there's a lot of work in Nigeria, right, Ty, that needs to be done. And, you know, money helps do that. Money buys Bibles. Money funds preachers, so they go out and preach the gospel. Do I find my life? I look at my life and say, you know what? I've got what I need. What can I do for somebody else? Or is it, what can I get now? What's my next, uh, what's the next item on my list that's going to make me happy for a few minutes? Maybe we, you know, that's where we take that inventory of our life and we see what's really, truly important to us. But there's a lot of people, they've fought for this love of money, for this money, they've loved it. They've let that become their God and their idol, and it's just about piling up. And I'm going to tell you the truth about money and bank accounts is bank accounts never fill up. Has anyone ever had a full bank account? Not a one of us, have we? That's the way bank, that's the nature of a bank account. It never fills up. Now, I could probably ask for a show of hands. Who, who's had an empty bank account? Yeah, they empty, but they don't fill up. You know, those that want to go out and money is their God, they want to just put another dollar, another dollar, and it's never enough. That's the nature of money. There's never enough. There's always one more dollar that can be made. There's always one more deal that can be done. But this is a problem for some. Matthew 19, 16, behold, one came and said to him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt not do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet. You know, the one thing that he didn't mention there was covetousness. Thou shalt not covet. And Jesus said to him, If thou be perfect or complete, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor that thou have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of God. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I want you to think for just a minute about this story and about this guy that inherited this Bonnaroo farm money. Um, he had plenty of money, a lot of money. I don't know how many millions he got, but he had a lot of it. And, you know, you think about that man, you know, and he, if that man truly wanted to lay hold on for fraternal life, you know, he might have been the one asking Jesus these questions. He says, I've done all these things. I don't reckon the guy was a bad guy. I reckon he was a pretty lawful guy. He was a state trooper, so I guess those guys generally know the law and keep it. But what if he had taken that money? And what if he had went out to, to do good? What if he'd went out and said, you know what, we're going to set this money up in a trust and some of it's going to go here and we're going to go help this church and we're going to help this mission. What if that would have happened? Maybe we would have had a different conversation. Maybe I would have a different out, outlook on this man, Mr. Hendricks, uh, at the end of the day. But you know what he did? He went out and he started collecting stuff for himself. He had fine antiquities. He had probably the greatest collection of books you've ever seen. Uh, He had big stuff, small stuff. He he had so much stuff. And he was so attached to his stuff. He spent money every month just to put it in a storage bin so he could keep. Not that he would go by and he would ever enjoy it, but just because he had. I'll tell you what. Don't look at that guy and say, Boy, that's a far-fetched story. That's a rare story because you and I do that all the time. It may not be in in an exorbitant manner as that man, Mr. Hendricks, did, but you still look at our garages. I know somebody right now whose garage is full of stuff that Mama Lisa can't park the car in. I don't have enough storage space at my house. And you know what? If I did build another barn, I'd probably find a way to fill it up with more stuff because I like stuff too and you look at your life and you think about all the stuff that's sitting around you think about all that waste that's sitting around and those things have an end and we'll talk about that end in a few minutes but the point is Matthew 6 and 19 lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and dust uh, rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven Where neither moth nor dust uh, nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the question is this morning where's your heart? Where's your love? Is it in the shed? Is it under the bed? Is it in the, in the closets, in the cabinets? Is it those things? Is it that? Before? Are we trying to buy up real estate? Are we trying to be a real estate tycoon so we can look out on all this dirt and see how much dirt we have and how proud we are of our dirt? Are we, are we taking this time and this precious opportunity because we have this one precious soul and this precious soul has value? Are we trying to, to make sure that, that treasure is going to be in heaven? That we're, they're putting up stuff that nobody can take from us. Is that what we're doing? That it doesn't corrode. That it doesn't rust. That it doesn't mold. That it doesn't get old. That no one can take from us. That when the thief comes in and he breaks into the house and he takes your possessions and he takes grandma's ring that, that was passed down for you that you loved, uh, that he takes your coin collection, he takes your gun collection, he takes all those things. But you know what he can't take from you is Jesus. No man can come and take your savior from you When you and I we do the things that God's called us to do we inherit that heavenly home That's a heavenly home. That's never foreclosed upon. It's ours God gave that to us Or we're wasting our time with all these things that do corrode that can be stolen There was a break-in around here. What last week, right? someone someone broke into a car and took stuff. That's an awful feeling. Have somebody take your stuff, right? It hurts. Won't you take that and invest it in something that's real? Won't you take whatever you know time and energy that took to uh, to obtain? And won't you put it in something that somebody can't take from you? That nobody can take from you. That doesn't corrupt. That doesn't mold. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23 by faith Moses when he was born was hid 3 months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured in seeing him who is invisible. You know, Moses did that. Moses had an opportunity to be set up in what we call the catbird seat. You know, he was going to be, uh, you know, in Pharaoh's house. One day he was going to come to power. One day he was going to to rule and he would have everything at his disposal. You know what Moses did by faith? He said, I'm going to give all that up and I'm going to serve God instead of have all these luxuries and all these niceties. If you could swap places with Moses today, could you say to yourself, you know what, I would do the same thing. If I could have unlimited resources, unlimited power, if I could lift my finger and it would be done, whatever I wish to be done, would you trade places with Moses? Or would you decide to stay true to God's kingdom that you would say, I'll go to the desert, Lord. I'll lead these people. I'll do your will. Would you give it all up? Would you really do that? I'll tell you what, those things are hard to give up when we have a worldly perspective in our life. But when we endure those things, when we, when we put those things aside, when we try to not please the flesh, we come into an understanding that those things are worth giving up. They don't have as much value as what the world puts on them. And that's the problem. The world puts great value on these things and we can't fall in love with what the world has put value in. You know, we've sold stuff. In, in my career for exorbitant amounts of money, you know, there was a, a crock one time at an auction about this size And this woman had this thing in her house and she put it behind a door and her kids would go by and throw bubblegum wrappers in it You know and she thought it was a nice piece, but nothing real fancy. We sold it at auction for sixty four thousand dollars And the woman that bought it said she came with a hundred thousand dollars to buy it Now I'm trying to say here that the world looks at stuff and says well that has value That's valuable. That's what people ought to have right there That's what people ought to give a whole year's wage for right there But I'm gonna tell you friends just because the world appraises that thing at a high value does not make it valuable See the world puts an appraisal on things all the time and says this is of great value But value is only it's circumspect about uh, it's only worth what somebody is willing to give for it at a certain time You know what that thing's worth to me that crock nothing I Don't need that that ain't gonna do me any good. That's not gonna save my soul That's not gonna give me a better place in heaven. That's not gonna save my kids That's not gonna teach my kids to learn to love the Lord. That's got no value How do you appraise things? Do you appraise things the same way the world appraises? Do you look at what the world says is valuable and you agree with them? Yes, that gives value. Proverbs eleven twenty eight: he that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. You know, we look at this right here and we say, that's worth 20 bucks. And I know what I can go and I can take that $20 and what I can get for it. And We know the value of $20 and how far we can go with that $20, right? But I'll tell you what, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of things that are holy, in the eyes of things that, that, are, that, that matter, I'm going to tell you what that $20 bill's worth. It's worth about that. It's really worthless. Because my money can't save me. My stuff can't save me. It is only my Savior. It is only that thing that is truly valuable. It was so valuable that God said, I'll give that for their salvation. God didn't pick some sick three-legged goat and said, you know what, this is going to be the cost and the price of the sins of the world. He took the precious Lamb of God. He took His only begotten Son, and he said, This is what salvation is worth. And he said, I'm willing to give this for the salvation of the world. I want to appraise things the way God appraises things. God saw that his son was valuable, and he gave his son for my redemption. And in turn, I need to look at that same sacrifice and I say, That's valuable. That is priceless, my Savior. 1 Timothy six seventeen 17 Charge them that are rich in this world They not be high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches But in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy That they do good, that they be rich in good works Ready to distribute, willing to communicate Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation Against the time to come that they may hold, uh, lay hold on eternal life He says if you're going to be rich in something Don't be rich in money Don't say, look how big my bank account is Be rich in good works if you've been blessed with earthly gain, with a big bank account, he says, be ready to share it. Be ready to give it out. You know, we had this conversation the other day. A brother uh, Mark Parkhurst back home was talking about a church in Alabama that shut its doors. They shut their doors with like fifty or $60,000 in the bank. That should never happen, brethren. I commend you about your giving and the way you give and the way you share and you contribute and you communicate those things you have I think you're doing a good job from all points of my simple mind It looks like you're bringing in and you're giving out Bringing in and giving out and it's going to the the right work. It's going to the right places And then the lust of other things James and, James 1 verse 14 Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death Do not err my beloved brethren You know there's all these things in this world that tempt us that we like everybody's got that thing that trips their trigger that thing that you like to do maybe for you guys maybe it's something like recreation going hunting going fishing Uh, Having those things experiencing those things maybe for the ladies. It's more in the shopping category You know, that's the thing you like to do and that you indulge in that you and maybe it's the opposite Maybe we got some women that like to hunt some men that like to shop. I'm not judging anybody, okay If you like to do that Uh, But you know everybody's got that thing that makes them feel good that they like to do And most of the time those things are earthly things, right? If I told, ask you what the, what the one thing is, if we could go out and do this afternoon uh, after services, what would that thing be? Maybe it's go out to eat. <laughs> Maybe it's go hunting. Maybe it's go shopping. But, you know, what a, who, who's, whose favorite thing is door knocking? You know, who likes to go door knocking? That's the thing I want to go do. How about we go talk to complete strangers and ask them if they know Jesus? How about, is anybody raising their hand for that? Good job, kid. I'm proud of him. The things that we like to do, the things that entice us, are those things holy things or are those things worldly things, the things that uh, are of the world. In First John chapter two, the Bible says, "Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." There's a lot of niceties in this life that they try to grab our attention. They try to touch us in every different way. They say, you know what, I, I look at that just like Eve in the garden. I look at that, it looks like it tastes good. It looks like I would enjoy that. That'd be pleasurable to, to partake in. You know, I look at something, oh, that would give me power. That would give me uh, a reputation. That would give me notoriety. And we look at that and say, you know, uh, you know that, that would that would. Make me better off. I would be better because of having those things. All these things are nothing new to man. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the devil took all three of these things and placed them in front of Jesus and he was able to overcome them. He overcame them through Scripture. He quoted Scripture back to the devil. Why? Because Jesus, when he was on this earth, he wasn't living for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That was not what his uh, mission was. That wasn't what the will of the Father was so I ask you today is that your mission is that your will I see people all the time they're wrapped up in in the the pleasure what's the next thing I can do what's the next thing I can punch off the bucket list to 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 make myself feel good to feel this pleasure but what about God Ecclesiastes chapter 2 talking about a man that was a means a man of means here Solomon he said, and "Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them, and withheld not from my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion, to all my labor. When I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and all the labor that I had labored to, to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun." Now you talking about a man with means. I talk about Mr. Hendricks today that we did that estate auction for, and all that stuff. He had nothing on Solomon. He had. He had the power, he had the riches, he had the notoriety, he had all these things. And you know what, I'm going to take it from a man that knew, you know, they say, you know, if you take uh, your life and, and uh, you learn a lesson the hard way, you know, that's, a, that's an okay to, way to learn wisdom, but you're better off to take from somebody who's actually already fell on their nose and actually had the hard time and learned from their mistakes and you're a lot better off, right? I'm gonna take it from Solomon today that I can labor and I can I can have all the abundance of this world And I can have everything that I desire but at the end of the day all this stuff is worthless Solomon sat back and looked at all that he had gained and he said there's no value to this He appraised it as zero It's not worth having It's not worth the effort It's not worth all the sleepless nights that you go through worrying about the next thing. It's not worth the time that you spend away from your family to try to obtain this earthly stuff. It's just not worth it. In Philippians chapter 3, the Bible says, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk also. Uh, Walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Listen to this. Whose end is destruction... Whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Those that mind earthly things, their God has become their belly. You know, those that the most important thing to them is the next thing that they can get the next indulgence that they can put to their lips, the next indulgence that they can go and experience, the next vacation, the next adrenaline rush, their God is their belly. It's all about serving themselves. And he says at the end of the day, those that live that life whose God is their belly, he says their end is destruction. God has no place for that in the kingdom. Again, I say it over and over because this is a serious issue because I see it all the time. The stuff in this world's not worth it. The, the triumphs of the world are not worth the price. Or as we would say the juice is not worth the squeeze. It's not worth it. Why do we trouble ourselves so much of things that don't even matter that don't even last? Why do we do that to ourselves? Because we ourselves have been deceived. Because we have looked on worldly things and we have given them great value. And Solomon says, I did the same thing. I thought that's what I wanted. I thought that's what would make me happy. But at the end of the day, they're not worth anything. They're not really important. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affections on things above, not on things of earth. Don't fall in love with this stuff. People die worrying about their stuff. And when people die and their siblings uh, are left to decide what happens to their stuff, How many times have I seen people never speak to their loved ones again because of a falling out because they wanted mom and daddy's stuff. Families have been split over stuff that didn't mean anything, that was worthless, that may be stole, that may be corrupted. But he says, set your affections on things above. Let your heart be on those things that are holy. You know, if you want to care for your your sons and your daughters church, care about their soul. Not about their average in sports. Not about their accomplishments. Not about that scholarship to go to a college to play sports. It's not that important. It's really not because none of those things can save their soul. But let's take time as a people and let's reprioritize that we look at the world and we see opportunity to go and preach the gospel and that's what we're reaching for that's how we want to spend our time and our talent reaching forth with the gospel not what we can park in our driveway not what we can be recognizing and be given notoriety for it's not worth it in revelation chapter 3 we see a people that looks a lot like a people today And to the angel of the church of Laodicean's write these things saith the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the, that the shame of thy nakedness Do not appear then, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see as many as I love, I rebuke and chase, and be zealous therefore, and repent. He looked at Laodicea, and what I have studied about Laodicea, a very interesting city, very rich city. There was an earthquake back about AD 60, and when the earthquake came, they were able to rebuild uh, their city and their economy by themselves. They didn't need any assistance from the Roman government. And they were able to take care, of it. and you know, Laodicea was a city that had a lot of things going for it. They had a very uh, a great thriving banking economy in Laodicea. Um, they had uh, this uh, uh, medical school uh, and hospital that they were known for, for their eye care. It comes from this eye salve he's talking about. Uh, they had these black sheep. I've, I've studied that they had these black sheep. That they would take and they would make these really glossy wool garments out of. They had it going on, right? From a worldly perspective, we would say that city had it going on. They had wealth, they were dressed to the nines, and they were coming up in the medical world. But he says there uh, in about verse 17, because thou sayest I am rich, they thought they were rich people. Right? In their own minds they were rich. They were increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest that they are wretched, they are miserable, they are poor. You guys are great bankers. You understand finance, but he said, But you're poor. And because you're blind, he says, You guys know a lot about the eye and I I've and the medical treatment thereof, but you're blind. And he says, you think you know a lot about clothing? you got these black sheep that make this really black wool that's really pretty. He says, but at the end of the day, you're just naked. He says, so I counsel thee to buy gold, tried in the fire. He says, you don't know anything about banking the economy. He said, you need, to, you need to take something that's true, that you may be rich. He says, and, and take off the black raiment and put on this white raiment that thou may be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness did not appear and he says anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou may see he said you've got an eye salve that it helps the sight he says I want you to open your eyes to what's really going on and God had disdain for this city of Laodicea that from all accounts we would say boy they had it going on I'll tell you what they didn't have nothing that God wanted they were desolate and when God looks at At our community here, there's a lot of good stuff going on. From an old country boy, I'd say y'all got it really, y'all really coming up. You know, all this stuff being built. I told Amy this morning, you know, before we turn in down here, uh, down here uh, next year, we're going to be going on the other side of that underpass. We're going to be going under it. They just they're coming up with it. A lot of stuff going on. Houston's growing. Just in the last ten years, I've been here, uh, knowing Amy. This place has grown. People say, man, y'all got it going on. But do you? when they look at your home, if we look at your home today and we would say, man, they're really doing well there, you know, things are going right, you know, where everything's the good jobs, you know, kids doing well in school and all, all these things. And is it, are things going all right in your home? Is God being proclaimed in your home Are goods being proclaimed in your home? Let's not be foolish. Let's not be caught unaware. We have an example in Laodicea. And we fight this indifference. We fight those things that don't even matter when we should be fighting for the things that could save the soul of ourselves and our family. Finally, here in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 14, The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness, and I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, As it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, That this this also is vanity. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall be all forgotten. And how dieth the wise man? As the fool. Therefore, I hated my life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun. Because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. I'm going to tell you friends a real reality. And this is the best thing I can, I can do. And I have great experience in this matter. One day you're going to die. And all the stuff. That you've accumulated up all the retirement savings all the dirt that you bought all the trinkets to put on the shelves One day it's going to be dispersed I was reading this last week that the wealthiest family on the on the on the planet are the Waltons Those that own Walmart Man, what would it be like if Ty had gone into retail? Richest family on the planet But you know what? One of of these days, those people are going to be dead and gone. And I, if I have a dollar to my name, will be richer than the Waltons. I'm going to make it. I really think I'm going to make it because they're pretty old. I think I'm going to get there. I'm going to be richer than the Waltons. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when all of us die somebody's going to come in, there's going to be a disbursement of your stuff, perhaps an estate sale, a tax sale, maybe it's an auction, maybe they just throw it away, I don't know. But let's say there's going to be an auction, they're going to put all your stuff that you worked so hard for. What about that house that you have? You had a 30-year mortgage, you worked every day to go, to go and try to pay for that mortgage and you sent that payment into the bank every month to go pay for that 30-year mortgage and one day you finally paid it off and it was yours, hallelujah. And you had all this stuff And I'm gonna tell you the reality of that is they're gonna hire somebody like me and I'm gonna come in in eight hours All that stuff that you worked your whole life to 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 build and to have is going to be somebody else's It's gonna be gone They're gonna be back in pickup trucks in your front yard They're gonna be loading your stuff in those pickup trucks. They're gonna be driving away with it And there's gonna people be up there and they're gonna be hollering Yep! And that guy that you had so much disdain for in the community, that he was a terrible neighbor, he's going to come to your estate sale and he's going to buy your stuff and he's going to take your stuff home with him. How about that? there she is. Oh, sorry, Sally. And those dishes that your mom and daddy handed down to you that your kids don't want because if they want dishes, they buy them on Amazon. She's going to take mama's dishes home with her. People you don't even like are going to end up with your stuff. How important is your stuff? How much time and effort and energy do you need to put in to stuff? Because one day it's going to belong to somebody else, and that somebody else could be somebody you don't even like. I'm going to tell you what, where happiness is found. Happiness is found in things that cannot be taken away that can't be auctioned off. If they can take your possessions, they can take your real estate, they can even uh, take your family away from you. But I'm going to tell you somebody they can't take away from you is your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Nobody can rip through hard enough, no one can scheme hard enough to take your Savior from you. No one can take your salvation from you. Hold on to what remains. Hold on to the most precious gift that you've been given that no one can take away from you and hold on to it and treasure it and try to give that gift to somebody else. Try to send that message out to people because they've got a fight going on in their, in their lives too. There's a lot of people out there side these doors this morning that they're fighting that race and maybe they're working they're on the clock right now they're out there trying to accumulate more stuff because that's the best thing that they've got going for them that's the best thing that they know right now is I'll just to have a better life I've got to have more stuff and somebody needs to tell those people there's a message out there there's a savior for them and that it's more valuable than going out here and try to to mound up these earthly riches and that's your job. I want to be somebody that leaves a path of happiness behind them. Share the gospel. Share the gospel and give happiness to people that are otherwise unhappy and don't have a future. And I want you to look at your lives today and I want you to ask yourself an honest question today. Where's my treasure? It sit is it sitting at the house? Is it sitting in the bank? Or is my treasure, my true treasure, that treasure that lasts and that can't be taken away, is my treasure in heaven today? Or is it down here decomposing? I want you to be honest with yourself this morning, brethren, as we ask ourselves that question. I want you to be happy, but I want you to be happy in a godly fashion today. I want you to be happy in the way that God sees fit. I want you to I want to tell you something else about appraisals in our business. You know, appraisal as I said earlier is is what somebody would give for it. I'm going to tell you you're valuable to God and he gave his only begotten son so that you could have eternal life. I'm going to tell you you're valuable to God. How valuable is your God to you? How much does that sacrifice mean to you? If it means what God wants it to mean to you, then it means that I'm willing to give up everything else so I can obtain it. It's the pearl of great price. I'll sell all I have. I'll give up all this earthly stuff if I can just attain that one thing. Is that you this morning? Are you ready to give up all this stuff and give, give your life over to him?